come, come ye saints, no toil nor labor fear, but with joy when your way. This interview is a joint production of Mormon Stories Podcast and Gay Mormon Stories Podcast. To check out the video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Mormon Stories. To keep these podcasts alive, please consider a financial contribution today at mormonstories.org and gaymormonstories.org. And thanks for listening. Let's talk church for a second. Okay. Very sensitive and difficult for some. Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with kind of the statements made about homosexuality 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago? President Kimball, Boyd K. Packer. Very. Um, Ernest Wilkinson or, you know, Marky Peterson, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, many, you know, it's, it's traditional in LDS um, circles to look at our um, prophets and our apostles as prophets, seers, and revelators, as mouthpieces for God. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that have been said in the past are interpreted by many to be kind of awful mm-hmm. about gays and lesbians and homosexuality. Um, how do you guys reconcile that with your beliefs? Do you, do you believe everything that they say? Do you feel like there's some other middle ground? How do you, how do you look on those past statements? So I'll speak for myself. Um, <clears throat> when I was 14 or so, I was reading The Miracle of Forgiveness, um, which in many ways is a good book but I got to the section on homosexuality and I literally threw the book across the room. Hmm. Uh, I had a very visceral reaction to what what was said and it was my first read through and you know, and I did not, it really upset me. And uh, I remember after that being driven to a violin lesson, I played a violin uh, by my dad and well, and that's where we would talk about things a lot is on our way to violin lessons. And um, <clears throat> and I was just like, Dad, I mean, have you read that? <laughs> like, what the heck is, the, you know, this is a prophet of God. And he said these things. And I can't even remember what specifically was upsetting to me at the time. But he, uh, his answer to that question was very helpful and has been helpful for me uh, since then, he was just like, he is a prophet, you know, he was a prophet, because at the time, he was no longer the prophet, um, and he is also a human being who lives in a culture, and, uh, and there is some necessity of deciphering between those two things, and, uh, not everything that is uttered by a prophet is prophetic, uh, and I remember at the time being like, but what? Because I was a very youthful mind and wanted to be more black and white in my, think- in my thinking, and so that was hard for me to digest at the time. But subsequently, I have seen that reality borne out, and I, I tend to subscribe to the notion that I, I have recently been hearing. I can't even remember, but I think it was in a recent conference where they were talking about kind of the idea of consensus, this is why we have 15 witnesses and not one. This is why there are so many voices uh, that are that have that prophetic mantle. Uh, and when you're hearing a consensus about an important uh, topic that that is that has more, I don't know even how to describe this, other than to say that yes, I have seen. Uh, I have seen the language right regarding this issue shift over time. And, uh, and I'm so glad that it is shifting, and I think it needed to shift. But at the same time, I believe in prophecy, and I believe we have a prophet, and I believe that the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency are chosen by God to lead the church, and that they do receive revelations for the church body. Um, so... I think it's a complex delivery system of information. 
and it involves self, and it involves others, and it involves the spirit, and having your own confirmations of truth, and, and anyway, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think that the recent website is, I was overjoyed when that was dropped. I was just like, yes, you know, like. This is the mormonsandgays.org. 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 Yes. Why? (laughs) Some may not understand why that is exciting to you. That is, uh, even to this day, I am, I have received direct discrimination because I uh, self-identify as gay, as a member of the church, um, as opposed to, not as opposed to, in a, for me, in addition to, I'm just like, same-sex attracted, homosexual, gay, okay, you know, like, let's just talk in a language where we all understand each other, all right? Like, like let's just make sure that we're talking about the same issue here, you know? That's kind of my approach to this, and... But the fact that I even have used the word gay has been very, uh, has been looked down on. And so it was very, uh, yeah, it was, it was a powerful moment to see that that was the URL. And also to see that in other places, same gender and same sex attraction was used in the same website. And, and, you know, like, I understand the nuances and I accept them and I, and I accept what that means and I'm not like thinking that we need to have a complete overhaul of our languaging of things, but just, yeah, it was, it was significant to me. And the website itself was incredibly powerful uh, and so encouraging, and I was just like, would that I had seen this two decades ago, you know? Uh, it, an amazing step, and, and a true exemplification of a church founded on revelation and for anybody both personally and i think as the church revelation is not a vacuum process it's a it's a there's a cybernetic element to the process of revelation a problem arises and people need to seek answers and those answers over time shift and uh and and clarity comes over time through consensus and through the spirit and and sometimes there are moments of clarity that are really profound, but other times there's more of a struggle. And so, anyway, those are my thoughts. What are oh, you? What are no, yours? that's great. I don't know. I, I couldn't add like on to stamp that. Stamp of approval? Yeah, All that's right. good. That's cool. how I view it. And just to quickly, some of the other things that people really love about the website is that they, they send the clear message that you're sending to parents, yes. family, friends, yes. which is... It's okay Love your child, love. and it's okay to love your child. Don't reject your child. Even if they choose Even, no matter a lifestyle what that's different from what the church would have them choose. It is so much more important to keep that connection alive yeah. than anything else. Yeah, keep keep your connection together intact. It's, it's funny to even say those words because they sound so like... Obvious? Uh, yeah, like self-evident, but, uh, but it is helpful to have that kind of endorsement of permission. Mm-hmm. Like, it is okay to love your child. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, critics or skeptics or people that have been harmed would would see this notion of prophets very differently. They would sort of say, this is not an example of of men listening to God and, you know, and sharing with the church God's will. Mm-hmm. This is an example of what some might describe even in very... Um, very severe language and say this has been a holocaust where maybe thousands of young men and women have have taken their lives over these awful statements that men who should have known better Mm -hmm. have said and it's it's 180 years too late Mm -hmm. and it's it's not so much a beautiful illustration of the prophetic process but instead it's a reactionary process to prop- proposition eight backlash, mm-hmm. and it comes way late, and after too many deaths, mm-hmm. and it's just a PR stunt to try and save face for all the people that have been damaged. 
how do you do, do you relate to that and how do you square that with what i believe was a sincere expression of your beliefs in the prophetic process i disagree with that wholeheartedly and i have i feel like i have insight into that now more so than i ever have where i with this blog post specifically you know, I've never done anything public ever in my life. You know, like publicity has not been a component of my existence until seven months ago. But I have discovered that it is really, really easy to ascribe motivations to actions in the aftermath, especially when it involves large swaths of people. Um, and so, you know, in terms of our situation, people have. <laughs> Just ludicrous stuff like, like we outed ourselves as part of the Romney, you know, Romney campaign. That is not our political persuasion necessarily. You know, like just these things that are. We're trying are to build a practice. Trying to yes, yes exactly. Like like these just uh, or I'm, or someone said because of the marriage equality vote in the wa in, Washington in Washington State. Yeah, like we were somehow premeditating that that would... Which you which say is, you voted for. <laughs> right, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> so it's like, it is really easy to draw certain conclusions in the aftermath. But the fact is, we, had, we were going on our gut and the spirit, and we were doing the best we could, and things then unfolded, and then you react to the things as they unfold. And I... I give the brethren that luxury, especially as I understand it more deeply. The luxury of being able to be human and do things that affect large numbers of people and also the benefit of the doubt as they proceed forward and try and adjust as things are not, as uh, maybe as they should be. So... That's my response, I guess. And that feels very human and loving. What about those who would say, look, they've got an extra, they've got to be ahead of us here. They've got the bat phone. Yeah. And they should be able to be ahead of the civil rights movement. They should be able to see, that's what prophecy is. It's seeing ahead of time and making the right choice before it's a major problem right. versus after. Right. So how do you... How do you think about prophecy or the, the, the prophetic element of prophecy when for some it seems to come, you know, oppose the civil rights movement until it's 10 years after and then support civil rights and oppose the ERA movement until and then now oppose gay marriage. And it just some would say that it's, it's the reverse of prophetic. It's yeah. it's reactionary mm -hmm. right. too little too late. Right. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot because I think I you've answered the mind. question. But. Yeah, I don't mind. My response to that is, uh, so ERA, for example, there, uh, and it's, this is not going to be applicable to all subsets, but we'll take that one for example. And I think probably each of those issues has its own its own I, I unique even so story. This. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the the I think that. Okay. I've never really expressed these thoughts, so forgive me if they come out weird. But, like, part of being a prophet is re preaching repentance to a people. That is when the whole, like, don't judge other things kind of dissipates, you know? Like, we aren't supposed to judge each other, but a prophet has to be able to assess a, a community in a situation. Uh, and... Um, so, I see as a marriage and family therapist working in 2013 what I consider to be ramifications of, and I'm no historian and I don't get stuff and I have like feminist ideas, you know, like I, I'm, uh, but I see ramifications of the ERA movement and of masculinity and, and gender that are playing out that are not in every case, awesome, and in fact, can be I would consider it to be problematic, and and so, an element of prophecy is being able to foresee those things, and to warn against them, and sometimes those warnings are heeded, and sometimes in a culture that is a culture 
they can't or won't be, you know. And so I think that sometimes prophecy is making those kinds of predictions, and sometimes prophecy is knowing when to acquiesce. And so, I don't know. And so that's my gut opinion. I'm, didn't Moses come back with the Ten Commandments, you know? Right. So he started with the higher uh-huh. law, right. didn't work out so well, came back with the lower law. Precisely, precisely. That's what you're saying? Something along those lines. Not, not that and it's, it's a lower way law, more nuanced. You're saying it can change. It's mm-hmm. way more nuanced than, than that, and, and I don't mean to judge any of those things specifically, but yeah. Right. So it kind of sounds like you, you just have faith. You trust. Precisely. You trust that there are good reasons, even if you don't understand why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's kind of what that's kind of what faith is. Mm-hmm. Um. So, our data show that, that, that those with same-sex attraction who are raised LDS, about 70% report leaving the church or losing their testimony in the church mm-hmm. after acknowledging their same-sex attraction. Yeah. That's what the data seem to suggest. Uh-huh. So, my guess is, Josh, that you would not have married a woman mm-hmm. if it weren't for the church. Mm-hmm. So when somebody does make that choice and it's based on religion, mm-hmm. if, if it's true that, that, that 70 plus percent of these people do in fact leave, is that a flimsy foundation upon which to build a marriage? Because if that faith erodes, if you, if your faith, let's, you know, I meet a lot of people who were bishops totally. or stake presidents. Totally. I've even met a former sort of area authority, general mm-hmm. authority, who lost his faith. Absolutely. If that happened, would it, have you, I mean, it's kind of speculative, but yeah. is that a dangerous foundation to build a, a marriage on, knowing that faith could slip, especially for people in this situation? Um, yes. Uh, no more dangerous than building a marriage on it for heterosexual people. You know, I think that most LDS people are building their marriage on a lot of ideals having to do with the gospel and the church, and that if one does lose his or her faith, that yeah. suddenly everything is being reevaluated. Everything is being yeah. looked at in a completely new way, and it's difficult terrain, yeah. for sure. And so that being the case, you know, Absolutely, it would have major ramifications if I were to lose my faith or if you were to lose your faith. It would. Um, Would I recommend not, you know what I mean, like building upon that foundation? No. We can't can't build our lives uh, based on the possible contingencies of, you know, faith or loss of faith. or There's a risk in all the things we do, and I could go get hit by a bus tomorrow or whatever, and that would pose a lot of challenges. You know what I mean? So, like, I think that going forward sometimes requires, uh, and I guess what you're saying is the risk analysis is that 70%. So, no, I I don't know. Yeah, it would affect things, for sure. Okay. Thoughts on Proposition 8? And we we know your views on same-sex marriage, were you sad at all that the church got involved? Do you, do you even want to comment on whether that was appropriate or whether in the future it would be appropriate, or do you just... I think I'm going to stay clear on that one. Okay, that's fine. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm still thinking about that one, so I don't even know if I could articulate mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. I'm still making sense of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to put you in the position of like having to oppose the church. So. Totally, totally. Um, If, if the church, you know, the church used to say the blacks couldn't hold the priesthood or engage in temple ordinances. Mm-hmm. Actually, at first they could, but then they couldn't, and then they changed it back to say that they could. Right. If the church were to change and say, you know what, same-sex marriage is okay, mm-hmm. would you guys... So, I've had this question posed previously and I think my favorite answer that I've given is that when I chose Lolly as my spouse I did not choose her above all women, I chose her above all human beings, all people so I don't think that that would have any relevance to our relationship 
any impact. Of course, you can't ever know what would happen, but that fear, you know, she's it for me. You know, like this is it. Like my life is great, and and I I mean that. It's a really really good life, and I feel happy in my life, and I feel like I have. I honestly feel like I have a soulmate in Lolly, and that would not change, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel the same way, like, I, I love him, we've talked about this in a real way, like, what if things did change, what would we do, and, I, like, the thought of, of losing him, like, I, I wouldn't be complete, like, he he's my love like who i want to be with forever and i don't think that that would change that no our life is going to continue together and the visualizations that i have of us as like octogenarians with our grandkids <laughs> running around and stuff are going to happen Unless there's some bus accident, as previously <laughs> mentioned, you know, <laughs> like knocking know, on wood. I know. I know. I should uh, <laughs> like any uh, surface, that, but yeah, we're. This is this is it for me for sure. So I love that because I was actually, I was actually thinking about a different question. Oh, really? <laughs> no, but this is really important mm -hmm. to me because I was asking whether you'd be okay with the church's new policy. Oh. Oh. I love how he just jumped the gun. made it personal. Yeah. And it just shows the perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking globally how personal mm -hmm. yeah. you took that question. We, right? Yeah, we have thought about <laughs> it. We've been there. Yeah. <laughs> and if the church were to say, for other people, that's okay? Uh... I don't, my opinion is that I don't foresee that happening in terms of temple marriage. Uh, but we've talked about having faith, and I do. And if that were to happen, I would continue to have faith. So, Would you like to see a, a gay, same-sex married couple be able to hold callings and serve in the church? I think we're already starting to see inklings of that in certain communities. We are. I find it very exciting. There are awards, I'm just going to say this, there are awards where um, people in same-sex relationships are not being punished by the church, yep. they're yeah. not having any church discipline, they're in full, committed relationships in the church, mm -hmm. are able to pray, are able to talk, able to have callings mm -hmm. with no punishment. It is happening. Yeah. A lot of people want to know if you believe that your same-sex attraction will disappear in the resurrection. I do. You do? Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know what that means in terms of personality traits, and I wrote a blog post about it, and my current belief is that it will, and I thought, so, yeah. Um, and the Boy Scouts. <laughs> Opinion on the Boy Scouts. I was a Boy Scout, and I do find it a little weird that I wouldn't have been considered a Boy Scout or been able to be a Boy Scout if I had been out, and uh, I think that... One of the things that I'm thinking about is that I, I would like to, I would love to see inclusion. And I was very kind of, I made a joke when they were considering the, the change. I was like, I, you know, I'm really excited by this, except for the fact that I was really looking forward to never, ever being a scoutmaster <laughs> for the rest of my life. But, but my honest feelings are that I think that inclusion would be great. And I actually think that it would raise awareness. I think that in terms, because people are conflating homosexuality with pedophilia, I think is probably one of the concerns. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, pedophiles are out there currently independent of homosexuality. And if, if there was a heightened awareness, then things like too deep leadership would be more uh, consistently relied on. And in fact, I think risk would be reduced overall. Mm -hmm. And so I actually think it would be beneficial to the organization and to the individuals. So that's my thoughts. Do you have oh, your I thoughts? I agree. Okay. I love the Boy Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, a good organization overall. Um, uh, we should have asked this a little bit back, but what do you tell your kids? How do you handle this with your children? Do they know? Do you talk about it? Do they, are they even old enough to be aware? Yeah, our oldest is six, and she doesn't even really understand sexuality yet. 
And so I think when we talk about sexuality, we will talk about homosexuality and we will explain to her that Josh is homosexual and obviously we're going to bring it into a gospel context and all of that. Um, but I have a, I, I feel confident that it, that it will be okay and knowing our children, it's better that they know right away. As early as possible. Yeah. 13. Oh, no, earlier than that. Like maybe nine, eight or nine. So you plan on having that conversation. Yeah. We're going to be watching their cues, you know, of course, and probably each child might, each child might be different. And, uh, but yeah. But then society anyways, parents should be talking about with their kids about sexuality at a younger age anyway. So it's, it's that's important. Being earlier than we would expect, but we would need to have that conversation. All right. Well, now, now we turn to sort of a, a shift in in the format. We've brought on um, two two distinguished um, guests to be part of a panel. So, Tim and David, welcome to uh, Mormon Stories podcast. We're so glad you could join us for a bit of a discussion. Why, Tim, why don't you go ahead and start and tell us a bit about yourself and why you're interested in this topic? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm, I'm a native Utahn, born and raised devout Mormon. Um, I'm a gay man. I consider myself, well, I am ex-Mormon now. Um, I'm in a same-sex relationship that I've been in for almost five years. Um, and I also have a very devout uh, Mormon family and friends. Excellent. Good. All right. Um, David, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm originally from Chicago. I grew up there from a devout Mormon family, came out to Utah about 10 years ago, absolutely loved it, stayed. I graduated from the Y, served a mission, came back and worked at BYU for the church and just finishing up a master's degree in business. Excellent. And I run a blog called Game Mormon Guy. Right. So. Okay. So Tim, I, I'm, I want to start with you because I, I imagine that that this interview might elicit some strong emotions for someone who not only self-identifies as gay, but who's comfortable with it, who's in a same-sex relationship. Um, what did you feel and what did you experience as you heard Josh and Lolly tell their story? Sure. I, I came into this, I think, with uh, trepidation. And um, if I look at it, fear, really, because I had my prejudices about what's going on for the two of you. But as I heard your story... Um, I, I've, there's been more of a shift, I think. Um, I worried, my worry that I think a lot of people that are maybe in a similar position as me may have is that you're the token couple and people who are not as informed about sexuality, sexual orientation, and um, this topic would misrepresent you um, to negatively uh, work against me and my rights. Um, and so that's the concern that I had coming in. But as I heard you tell your story and I see, um, you know, this authentic bonding and attachment that you have together and um, I see that you really care for each other, uh, one. And the second thing to hear that you support my rights, it frees me to f support you and to support what you're doing and say, hey, I think, you know, that that's really cool. So it, it really diffuses those those fears that I had coming in, not knowing as much as I thought, or not knowing about you in great detail. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I think, I, I don't know how representative you are of people in mixed orientation marriages. I don't, I, typically I kind of think that that's correlated with people who are very fundamental and devout, and so they'll have a hard time um, seeing these matters as gray. Um, but I certainly appreciate uh, hearing hearing your stances and your support. Tim, were there any moments for you where you cringed or, or felt anxious or sad? Well, when I hear the religious terminology, I'm not because I'm, I'm I've been so away from Mormonism. It's it's a foreign language almost to me now, and it's alienating in a way and. Um, it also, again, kind of triggers the, those fears of uh, that kind of language and those ideas have been used to abuse people like you and I. And 
David. So um, that creates those kind of um, uncomfortable emotions and kind of memories, and I have a hard time connecting with that. But um, outside of that, when just connecting like person to person, I think that helps bridge the gap. And when it's not all about um, seeing things through a Mormon perspective, but a, a global perspective helps with that. As you, as you think about the love that you've experienced, and then you heard Josh talk about the fact that he's never actually been in a relationship with a man or you know, experienced the, the opportunity to have that sort of full expression of, of committed same-sex love that you've had, was there a part of you that was sad for him or said, man, you're missing out? Or was there any, any of that that you felt like you don't know what you're missing kind of thing? Um, you know, I wonder if you're curious, I wonder if both of you like grieve the loss, like Josh, for you, the loss of an opportunity to have sex with a guy. And, um, for, for you to, um, to, um, be with someone that is heterosexual and you know and had to go through that similarly like how i had to grieve like not having this community that you guys yeah, have exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. i have perfectly phrased yeah it was a, it's a loss that we that we yeah. grieved that we An mutually experienced yeah. you, you give up one thing for another uh -huh. Yeah, there is a there is a loss. Absolutely, and I thought I think the comparison was perfect. You know, and that's why these choices are really hard because we're talking about real losses. You're talking about a real loss, and I'm talking about a real loss, and she's talking about a real loss, and and the world does not accommodate us having all the things, and we have to make choices, and so uh, yeah. I think that was very well expressed. I liked how you said that. David, let's bring you in. Um, any immediate reactions or thoughts or feelings about Josh and Lolly's story? Um, well, I've heard Josh and Lolly's story before. Mm -hmm. We actually met Josh at a conference in November, right after I came out on my blog. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Is that Circling the Wagons? No. Oh. It was a conference in Provo hosted at, by... At UVU. Uh, no, so at the Provo Convention Center. Okay. Um, AMCAP. Okay. It was through the, yeah, AMCAP. Okay. And uh, I was there standing with Josh and Ty Mansfield, and one of the comments that was said was like, hey, these are like the three Mormons who have like blogged and done things and got some type of notoriety all standing here together. We could be like a little club. <laughs> and, uh, the believing gay Mormon rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> So, start a band. <laughs> um, yeah, so I love their story, and uh, as far as, like, it was interesting to hear because I honestly believe that at some point in my life, I'll be in a marriage with a woman, and incredibly in love and happy, and, uh, like, I agree wholeheartedly with many of the things they said in that you have to be really careful. You have to understand uh, what it is that you're going into. You have to realize that it's probably going to take more work than your best friend who got married at 21 off his mission to his girlfriend that he's known for 15 years. Um, but at the same time, having the faith that like, something can happen that you don't understand, that you can still be completely homosexual and completely in love with someone, that your brain has the ability to do that, and that God has the ability to do that, that the stars will align, whether it's luck or blessings. Um, that whole conversation about blessings made me, like, want to grab the mic. Because for me, I don't look at, at life as blessings being proof of God's love for one person more than another. Um, I think that in our culture and in our world, because blessings can come from righteousness, sometimes we ascribe blessings to righteousness. And I think that God only gives blessings. I'm on the end of my lens. So, um, I mean, you look in the scriptures, and sorry to use 
Mormon terminology. <laughs> but um, you look at the scriptures, and it says that a pure fountain can't bring forth muddy water. And in my perspective, like everything that happens in your life is a good thing. And part of life is figuring out what those good things are and why they're a part of your life. Even if their experience is bad or exactly. sad or hard. And I mean, sad. yes. I mean, my little brother just got through his last round of chemotherapy from leukemia. Second sibling that I've had who had cancer. And an incredibly difficult experience for him, for our family. But a huge blessing in our family as well. And I think that, honestly, honestly, all things are blessings. And uh, for me, like, that's what I wanted to jump out and say. Because um, I look at the really, really, really hard things that have happened in my life. And uh, looking back on them, looking back, you have twenty twenty vision. But I, I'm really glad that they all happened. Tim, I don't want to put you on the spot, but any anything about hearing David share his feelings that, that causes you feelings or concerns? Uh, well, I I get concerned about the religion, um, I, the religion being a reason for not being in a same sex relationship. Like, uh, I wonder if we took that out of the equation, what rational reasons do people provide for you know being in a mixed orientation relationship, being uh, closeted or not being closeted and being in a same-sex marriage. Um, and I, my concern is how much of that is our, our choices when we're, um, uh, how to, I guess, religiously devout, how much are them, of them are really being externally driven through, like, shame and, and ideals that may not be our own. Um... So I have a hard time not seeing that, and I, I wonder that when I um, when I meet gay Mormons, when I meet Mormons, that, because I once was one. So um, I know for me that that was the story, that so much of it was fear and shame. And once that was gone, and once I could see, oh my gosh, look, I can be in a community that loves and supports me, and not despite the fact that I'm gay, but just because I'm me, mm -hmm. um, it, it brings a lot of this stuff into question for myself. And, and it does become hard to hear that kind of, those kinds of things. So, so I appreciate your responses. For me, there's kind of a bit of an elephant in the room in that Josh and Lolly, we just got through talking about, you know, if, if mixed orientation marriages were to have a big red warning label that you would sort of endorse the label saying warning ha potentially hazardous to your health be warned mm -hmm. and yet we we have david who just said in some ways he's kind of inspired by your story mm -hmm. and really optimistic that that he's going to be able to do this mm -hmm. and i know that parents of young gay and lesbian mormons are are feeling the same way mm -hmm. that everyone's thinking okay it may be five percent but I can do it. I've got that faith. I've got that determination. I've got that trust in the Lord. And, and even if it's 5 or 10%, that's a huge number of marriages and people who are going to say, I can have intimacy. I can have faith. I can be righteous. And so in a way, we're, we're, it seems like we're doing the thing that we just got through saying we're really scared might happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how you guys feel about that, hearing David say he's really excited David, I'm wondering how you feel hearing me express that concern. So, I think maybe maybe we envision different labels, uh, slightly different. Uh, uh, I think that the lay of the warning. I think there should absolutely be a warning. I think the warning that I think would be most fitting uh, would be something along the lines of proceed with caution, with great caution. And also, it's going to be a large label apparently, but get educated and really know what you're doing. Uh, but um, I, I would not try to dissuade people. 
that wanted to enter into a mixed orientation marriage from doing that. I think it actually comes down to what you were saying, that Tim, uh, Tim sorry Tim, what you were saying Tim, uh, the the what you were talking about in terms of shaming, being shamed, and uh, and uh, as opposed to authentically entering into the life the life that you want for yourself, for your own internal reasons as opposed to external reasons. I think that I think it ultimately comes down to that. And I think that in terms of my specific story, for me, it all centers around the fact that my dad said that he would love me no matter what. That was a pivotal moment for me when he said that he would love and accept me no matter what I chose for myself. That freed me to explore options in a way that I wouldn't or otherwise have been able to. I was not acting to please other people. I was making choices based on my own internal compass. And I think that when that is happening... In a case, maybe like David's, or, you know, I think that that's a critical component of any decision-making process. And that, so yeah, but the label still needs to be there. Like, proceed with great caution. And education. Education. And know what you want for yourself. This is what I talk about with my clients a lot. Like, okay, cool, like, you have a culture and a family and all these expectations from different people, but, like, talking to you. Like, inside of you, what do you want for yourself, for your life? And answers vary. Yeah. David, are you at all worried that you'll end up like this number, the 75% we're throwing around? Like, sometimes there's this notion of naive optimism that I can do it and I believe in me. Are you at all worried about the risks? Well, the thing is that I'm not totally sure it's going to happen. And... uh, I don't think that I would go into it unless I felt like, given all the risks, it was definitely worth it. And when I say that I'm excited, I'm excited about life. Like, whether it's finding a soulmate or finding someone that I will work with or not, I think that life is, life is awesome regardless. And so, uh, I mean... I'm definitely aware of the risks. I mean, having my own blog, I've heard many stories, happy stories, sad stories, people who are currently in mixed orientation marriages who are incredibly happy with their lives and who have multiple kids and have never told anyone but me. Or people who tell me that I'm a sinner for just even thinking about doing that. But I... I mean, I I honestly believe that focusing on God and doing the right things, that I'll go down the best path. And whether that's finding someone now, finding someone in 40 years, not finding someone in this life, I'm I'm good with that. Tim, I'm wondering if there's any part of you as as a gay man that worries that that Tim and Josh... uh, are setting an example, let's just say for the gay community, where they're basically, instead of saying, I love, not only I love who I am, but I'm going to live as I'm oriented because there's nothing wrong with being same, you know, same-sex married or in a same-sex relationship, that in some way they're sending messages to people to not be who they truly feel like they should be, at least in terms of relationships. I. Uh, yeah, and I think for all of us that's true because homophobia is a cultural value and so all of us, uh, it's like the smog in the air, we're all breathing it in and we all have it to a degree. So it's just being aware of that. I do, I think, I mean from what you say, it seems like you're more accepting and comfortable because you're open about your orientation and maybe that's enough for both of you. I don't I don't know. You, Everyone has to choose. Um I think from my own experience, uh, it wasn't worth it to me to stay um, under in, in a community that was not accepting of me. Like, why would I keep pushing to belong somewhere where they don't want me, where they don't fully love me, you know? Um, and I, so, I, I mean, sim- to simply answer your question, yes, to a degree, I do worry about that and um 
not that it's something unique to you. I, I think it's something that all three of us share because we're, and four, because you're married to someone, that we're all marginalized within the community at large and especially in the Mormon community. All right. Um, Tim, any final questions for Josh and Lolly before we wrap up or comments? Sorry, I was going to ask you one other question. Um, can you tell us what it's like to be in a same-sex relationship? Is it, you know, if you were to sort of, you know, they've had a chance to say how wonderful their relationship is. Can you talk about um, how yours is? Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, it's the same. Um, ups and downs, uh, companionship, per honeymoon period, honeymoon's over, friend stage, <laughs> all these kinds of things. Um, the other relationships that are non-homosexual go through. Um, one thing that, well, I think you guys get this, now that you're out, you would get this to a degree, but, like, I have extra stress in my relationship that I have to worry, you know, we just went on vacation. We have to worry if where we go, are they going to be... Um, favorable to us are we going to be discriminated against are we going to be threatened in any kind of way um and and so it has that additional stress which makes um it hard i think for same-sex marriage uh, that's why i think same-sex marriage is so important you know you give those statistics well what's the common thread in that it's mutual love and support that we all need community and support and that we're taking that away um, in these religious communities and then we're seeing people flounder and then we're wondering why like um, that's uh, it's tragic it's very unfortunate um, hearing uh, Josh and Lolly's story I, I greatly appreciate it and can say that my perspective is broadened and because because I hear and I'm going to reiterate because I hear that you support me and my choices and my and not just like oh yeah hey I support you gay is cool but actually politically you are and very publicly again that frees me to mutually support you and I um so the people in the gay community are threatened by your relationship because there's so much historical trauma regarding the treatment of gay, lesbian, bisexual people that hair look, be like them. They're trying to be heterosexual, just, you know, be like us who are heterosexual. And it's very invalidating. And then the flip side is that I could see that it's invalidating to you, I wonder, because you're, you're like, marginalized in both communities. Yes, it's exactly. so true. You don't have a place in either. So true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> um, Except aren't you guys kind of poster children? Like, the new oh. hope? Not, no, no. There are communities. There are community. There in every sector. There's, there are, those that are supportive and those that think that we are, the devil reincarnate in and, the church. Oh yeah, absolutely. There are people that do not believe homosexuality is real still. Oh. That think that I am, totally deceived and you know. Well, and I think maybe then you're a bridge for those kind of people right. that just are not going to reach the level of progress right. that we want to see in life. And yeah. that's I one mean, of the things that we've seen is that in addition to the response uh, into in addition to the response that we've talked about which is is unfortunate where the story is proliferated in a way that is kind of abusive. On the other hand, we've gotten a lot of response that are that of people that are like I actually did not believe that homosexuality was real until I heard your story and you don't have a reason to be lying about it because, you know, you're living in the way that my thinking thinks people should live and yet you're still saying that you're homosexual and, and so it's it's the step toward actu towards actually believing that, that it's a real thing and not changeable. And I wanted to point out that you made the comparison of our relationships in terms of marginalization and we have the luxury of privilege because people that see us assume you know as we're on, if we're on vacation people will see us and assume that I am heterosexual and so we have that inherent privilege whereas you guys don't yeah. and so I think we it's probably to be a thing normal. right <laughs> quote unquote normal and so I think that you probably face that yeah. much more uh, in a much more challenging way than we do for sure you guys can pass 
That's exactly right. <laughs> totally. Well, um, because in our community, in the gay community, you have to continually um, worry about am I going to be accepted here? Am I going to face mm-hmm. hostility? Um, and can I go home for Christmas? You know, right. some partners, the family is not accepting at all, or some oh. one they're really accepting. And you d- you don't have that that same support. You don't have that same legal protection. Um, you know, I I don't have the same right inheritance rights or uh, automatic inheritance rights or always the same access to health insurance and those mm-hmm. kinds of things, um, mm-hmm. which really stinks. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so I could see why, I mean, I, I see what's appealing in being a heterosexual relationship beyond being with someone that yeah. you really love. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it really does cost a lot mm-hmm. um, to come out uh, fully and to be in a same-sex relationship. And it costs not to as well. So I right. think it's like what you said earlier, There's exactly. you get something, you lose something. It's a choice, and it's knowing what choice you as a human being want to make and what's best for you for your own life and for yourself. And and it's okay that sometimes choices look different for different people. How do you, I wonder for you guys, how do you reconcile, and I wonder this for the people, so this is for all three of you, the loved ones that I have in the Mormon community, um, that on the one hand they're supportive of me, and then on the other hand, just by being participating in an organization that is oppressive to me, they're complicit in it. Like they're giving tithing, they're... Um, whatever, they're going along and endorsing it. And I'm just wondering, how do you make sense of that and reconcile that in your mind to not feel, like, upset or guilt or I... Do you know what I mean? I'll answer. So, um... I definitely believe in everything the church teaches. And so... Like, my views differ from Josh's and Lolly's in some places. Um, And so I don't, I've never felt like the church was oppressive in my life. Or that, I mean, I never really felt oppressed by anyone, whether at school or, I mean, I was never bullied at school. And when I came out to my family and friends, like, no one thought that it would have happened type of thing and uh, I think that the culture of the church is something that definitely needs to change and that is changing but I also believe that the doctrine of the church and all the rest of the programs that are supported by tithing or by service or whatever else are definitely worth supporting and I think that having the conversation that changes the culture is an important way of, of changing that culture and making sure that people don't feel oppressed, making sure that people feel like they can be authentic and understanding who they are and who they want to be. So if I can follow up with that, you don't see your, you don't see, I heard you say you don't, you're not oppressed by the church, but do you see that others who may identify with your same identity as gay, as a gay Mormon, that they're oppressed, like people like Josh or... Or you, Tim. Or myself. Well, I I can only talk about my own experience. I mean, I, I've i never felt oppressed personally. And, uh, like, I'm sure that it's definitely possible for people to feel that. But, at least from what I've seen in my life, the times when I when I felt like I didn't fit in the church, it wasn't because I had understood the doctrines correctly. It was because I had interpreted a cultural bias as a doctrine or I I didn't accept myself at that point. And so uh, I'm not totally sure. Like, I know that it can be for some people, but I think that addressing the culture will probably solve most of those problems. 
at least the ones that I've seen in my own life. Do you have a response, Tim? Yeah, I just, I don't, I disagree. I think that it's doctrinally based. I mean, you have prophets that are on record in the Mormon church saying anti-homo, or anti, or homophobic statements, and I, I agree with some of what you're saying, but I I know that going along with Mormonism, it's very authoritarian, and you have, you you know, it's what the authority says, and so we're not used to this culture really challenging that, because we're not taught skills to do that, and we're not taught that it's okay. Um, and it, I, I'm, also, I'm a social worker, and I see such parallels between, I've worked with women who are abused, and I see such parallels between Mormons who struggle with Mormonism and women who are abused that they just cannot leave it. They have a hard time seeing the oppression. Um, all their resources are wrapped up in this guy, or in this case, the church, so it makes it hard to leave. So I, it is hard for me to fully see the, uh, to agree with that. And we're, we're wrapping up, so go ahead and just respond just to Tim and David and... A final thought on Bring that. Bring it back home. Yeah, yeah. I'll try. Uh, the um, so um, so in my perception, I'm looking at Mormonism as kind of a like like looking at different systems, you know. Uh, so like our culture, our broad culture, like American culture, ha also has some problematic features when it with regards to homosexuality. And, and and oppressiveness and uh, there have been some things said you know within our culture some uh, some ideas pro pro propagated that are like really messed up and I don't necessarily think that the solution to that is to jettison the culture itself but to uh, within the culture attempt to um, attempt to to galvanize a shift of paradigm that would be better and be kinder and be more appropriate to others and so uh, and so I view that I view that on levels so, so our broad culture and then also LDS culture and even just like my family culture that has that same kind of dynamic sometimes and so that's how I view it for better or for worse that's how my brain conceptualizes it so alright well, I just want to thank this panel for a fascinating and a wonderful discussion. Tim Wayman, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your experience. Um, David Peterson, thank you so much also for coming on. And, and as we kind of wrap up, Josh and Lolly, I just want to thank you guys for your beautiful story, for the people that you are, for your courage, and for your sensitivity and insightfulness. It's been such a pleasure to have you on um, Mormon Stories podcast uh, Game Warmer Stories podcast. Uh, just want to thank you so much for coming on and, and wish you guys all the best. Oh, thank you. Such a pleasure. Yes, it definitely. Awesome. We loved it. Good. Thank you. I'll just end by saying, um, listeners, please check us, or viewers, please check us out at, at mormonstories.org or gamewarmerstories.org. Um, feel free to comment there. Uh, maybe we can even get our panelists and Josh and Lolly to respond to some questions if possible. I um, want to thank everyone for their support. Please share this with family and friends. Get the word out. I think that a lot of this wisdom shared today can bless a lot of lives. And uh, we promise to have other types of relationships on, on the podcast, including healthy, robust, same-sex relationships to make sure that we give uh, lots of perspectives. But we're very glad to have yours today. Wish you all the best, and thanks for joining us. Take care. Thank you for joining us today on Mormon Stories Podcast and Gay Mormon Stories Podcast. To check out the video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash mormonstories. To continue the conversation or to keep these podcasts alive through a financial contribution, please check us out at mormonstories.org and gaymormonstories.org. And thanks for listening. Come, come, ye saints, no toil nor labor fee. But with joy when your way Though hard to you This journey may appear Grace shall be As your day
Well 